And it's not normal to sit around thinking about somebody all day. It's really not. Um, it's really not. And I say it like that because nobody's really earned nobody's really earned that. Like, did this person propose to you? No. Did this person buy you a car? No. Like nobody's really earned the right to be in your mind, to frequent your space, your sacred place of being all day long. I don't care who they are. Like, I just feel like nobody's earned that spot. And I think that women who are more attractive and men who are more attractive are the men and women who don't really be thinking about nobody. They just going about their own life and living their life and just doing their own thing. Those are the most attractive people. But the people who are like constantly having another person on their mind and can't get them off their mind and thinking about them all the time and all the other stuff, those persons, people tend to run from them. Like, it can be so attractive, but people tend to run from them. Through the gift of talking aloud, we are able to uncover what needs to be uncovered and understand what needs to be understood. Hello, hello. Welcome to or welcome back to the Purposely Venting Podcast. My name is Tony and I'm your host and it is on this podcast that we believe that there's nothing I can say throughout the course of this podcast that can better run your reality, run your life than you. I'm hoping that something that I do say will be a spark of curiosity that will help you to better navigate your inner world to meet yourself and to develop a better relationship with yourself. But yes, yeah, that's what we believe in over here. How's everybody's week started off? Happy Memorial's Day. Um, yes, today was good for me. I definitely got my life together. I had um, done some laundry, just everything, girl. Like, you know how you just get so behind on your household chores. So when you finally do it, you just feel so accomplished. Like, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. So I'm just really feeling good. So I'm still on my non-cursing journey. So I, what I wanted to do on the podcast is introduce the word of the week. Um, obviously, there's a word of the day for a lot of people. A lot of people are extensive like that. But for me, I'm just going to do like the word of the week on Mondays. I'm just going to try to do that. I'm going to try to stick to it. We don't see girl. But this today's word of the week is placid. And that means calm, peaceful. And used in a sentence, his usually placid manner was tested by his argumentative child. So placid, calm, and peaceful. Hopefully you can use that in a sentence this week to, you know, be the life of the cocktail party. And that you can also join me on this journey where we are watching what we are saying um, aloud, even to the point where, you know, your I am statements, make sure you're saying positive I am statements that help you to better get close to your goals as opposed to like taking you away. But yes, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and hop right into the podcast. Continuing on the topic of dating as a codependent, um, there's a lot to say about this and I'm not going to touch on everything, obviously, because it's such a vast topic. It has so many jewels that I just think that it requires many different episodes and I've made many different episodes, but this one in particular, I wanted to kind of touch on when it comes to like anxious dating styles. Um, I think that as a codependent or as a recovering codependent, there are attachment styles that we need to be aware of. One of them being, and the main one being the one that I'm going to touch on in this episode is attachment that is anxious, anxious attachment style, anxious attachment style. And what anxious attachment style means are just a quick little Google search here. I'll go ahead and read the definition or what comes up. People with anxious attachments are usually needy. They are anxious and have low self-esteem. They want to be close with others, but are afraid that people don't want to be close with them. As a child, your parents probably weren't inconsistent. They might've responded sometimes. 
and then they have like a list of a few things i'm just gonna read like maybe five of them or seven seven yep um so a few signs that you may have an anxious attachment style, signs of codependency, intense emotional discomfort or avoidance of being alone, difficulty setting boundaries, fear of abandonment, feeling like you're unworthy of love, feeling dependent on others, frequent need for validation. And I mean, obviously, a lot of people go about life kind of like left up the chance because they don't really know about certain things and they don't know that certain things they can live a different way as opposed to the way that they're living. I know for me, this whole little anxious attachment style has been the number one game player in my life. Like it's the number one player. It's player one. You know what I mean? Like it's been scoring all the points. Um, and for the longest, I was kind of like oblivious to it to where I, you know, would go and talk to people and I would be trying to like, first of all, I'm gonna put it like this. It takes a lot for me to like a person, but you know, because I have such a particular type, but when I do find that particular type, which is rare, I tend to like go in with um, this anxious, <laughs> this really anxious attachment. Like they will get my time. I will be completely open to them. Like, like I said there, I won't have any boundaries. Like for instance, like if I'm about to do something, like if I'm about to do my hair or I have like a busy day, I will literally push plans aside if this person like texts or call to say that they want to meet up or something. Or I'll like abandon responsibilities if this person say they want to do something. And for the longest time, I didn't really know what it was called. I would get mad at myself for doing it, like really angry with myself. Like, why you do that? You know, you have plans. This could have been a very good opportunity, but I wasn't able to call it out. And I feel like a lot of the times when you're unable to call something what it is, then it's left unchecked it's left unseen so you go about with the pattern but now that I know the words like this anxious attachment style it makes it more like at the forefront of my mind it makes me more cognizant of like when I am about to do something like that or when I am giving somebody airtime when I need to be giving myself airtime it makes me way more um, cognizant of it Um, I think that we should be aware of this because the first step in anything is just you know, being able to admit to yourself that, hi, my name is Tony and I have an anxious attachment dating style. Um, the goal is here is to, uh, of course, get to a neutral place to where you are still maintaining your boundaries and also being able to be open in a situation when it counts. Um, obviously we don't want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum where you just cut everybody off and then you're kind of like left to like have nobody around. Um, so yes, but I've recently kind of come to the conclusion for myself, um, that I am unavailable. Like I am not giving anyone airtime. You know what I mean? Like, I think that when it comes to dating overall, it really sucks. And I, I hope that this doesn't come off at games, but as games, but it really sucks in the dating world sometimes, because when you do genuinely meet somebody and you want to go all in, it's kind of too soon. You know what I mean? Like, even though I'm an adult, I'm 34 years old and I know what I want. I know, um, I, if somebody matches the vibe, I'm ready to like, okay, let's see where this goes. I can say what I want, but human nature gets turned off when you're too consistent and you're too available. Um, even though you may think that it's healthy and you're open and that person may even say, you know, why, you know, I want you to show reciprocity and all this other stuff back. It's kind of like a dangerous game to do that because when you do start like, going towards it, it seems like they kind of get like repulled, like they, they show like repulse, you know what I mean? Like they just don't want to, um, accept that or receive that. And obviously that may not be the person for you, but 
there's just so many moving parts. It's hard to like pinpoint one thing and say, okay, this is it. This is why it's just, you know what I mean? Like you show somebody interest and then they seem to go the opposite way. But the minute you start ignoring someone, that's when they come to you, which is so weird to me. And I think I kind of figured it out. It's not that you need to like ignore someone. It's more so that you need to have some business about yourself and not be so thoughtful about that person all day long or thinking about that person. Obviously you have a life and it's not normal to sit around thinking about somebody all day. It's really not. Um, it's really not. And I say it like that because nobody's really earned. Nobody's really earned that. Like did this person propose to you? No. Did this person buy you a car? No. Like nobody's really earned the right to be in your mind, to frequent your space, your sacred place of being all day long. I don't care who they are. Like, I just feel like nobody's earned that spot. And I think that women who are more attractive and men who are more attractive are the men and women who don't really be thinking about nobody. They just going about their own life and living their life and just doing their own thing. Those are the most attractive people. But the people who are like constantly having another person on their mind and can't get them off their mind and thinking about them all the time and all the other stuff, those persons, people tend to run from them. Like, it can be so attractive, but people tend to run from them. So, it's kind of like the whole dating effect. Like you find yourself in a relationship, then everybody wants to like come up and, you know, show you attention, you know, which is not weird. It's just like the laws of the universe. When you take your mind off of stuff, that's when it starts to come about. That's when it starts to materialize. Obviously you've done the work. You, you said to the universe what you want, what you want to accomplish to manifest, if you will. But having it on your mind all the time creates this, this tendency for us to be anxious and to want to attach and, all this other stuff. And just back on that, um, I think the inconsistencies of life, the inconsistencies that you, we have made, we may have experienced as children, those carry over to adulthood. And I do, I definitely can concur with what's been read. Like when you grow up in a house that's so inconsistent, you don't know what to expect. So you're living in this place of uncertainty. And sometimes in the dating world, like you think you're living in uncertainty, like you, you go so like, you make it so intense, the, the uncertainty, but most of the times it's not even a dating experience that you're, um, that you're experiencing as, you know, that form of inconsistency, that form of uncertainty. It's more so like the patterns that you have within yourself that are making you feel like you need to like call upon because you're in a place where, um, you feel like they're not being consistent. So for instance, an example of this would be like, if you are, if you are talking to someone and they text, and then they don't, they go hours and hours without texting. You're left in a state of uncertainty, not because they're not texting, but because you've already had the pattern before they came. So the person is the, the, um, non-changing factor. So you, me, we are the non-changing factors in our lives. We're the constants and then people come in. So if people come in and then they're not texting and all this stuff and, you know, four hours and on end and you left in uncertainty. It's not them. It's your patterns. It's something that you need to deal with from childhood. It's something that you need to address and call out and call into the light. Yes. We have patterns that we project onto other people. We have experiences that we have that we project onto people. I'm reading this really good book. I really wish I knew the title, but, um, I think it's like what to say to yourself, what to say to yourself when you're talking to yourself or what to say when you're talking to yourself, something like that. But, um, we have these patterns that we have, um, from childhood. And a lot of the times when you have something that you're going through, you don't think 
of the situation as something new okay oh this is new what's going to happen you you draw on all your experiences like your brain it doesn't take your brain any time to like connect it to something that you've already been through most especially if you're kind of living your life in this like um up the chance leave it in up the chance type of ordeal um but that's typically what tends to happen like you will take a situation and you will connect it to something that's happened in your past off of your experiences and if you are more right-brained which um it is typically considered to be associated with negative connotations or just negative outlook on life you will connect it to something in your past that's more so negative but if you're more left-brained because you've been working and doing um your self-talk and working on your inner space and stuff like that you'll typically connect it to something that's associated with positive outlook um so yeah dating is the same so this uncertainty and this abandonment feeling and this inconsistency or whatever that you're feeling you typically project these things onto any dating experience that you have which you know is your anxious dating attachment style and I know for me it sounds all bad but in the anxious dating style I can say that when I start to feel that or when I start to feel anxious or whatever I start looking for something wrong so that I could just abandon ship so I don't know what I am y'all I have some signs of codependency and I also have some sides of avoidant and my ex he called me like avoidant um I have a very avoidant personality he said I was on the opposite end of codependency but I definitely think I flip-flop um I can be codependent when I'm starting to meet someone but then it gets very uncomfortable and I feel quote-unquote uncertain or I feel the inconsistencies or something happens where I don't like, so I can abandon ship right quick. I can leave a situation like nobody's business, which is highly weird, but it's my process, I suppose, that I'm coming out of um, and just becoming more aware of to where be able to call some light into it and change. But when it comes to dating, I think the to wrap it all up, I think that we need to be mindful of our uh, attachment styles, whatever your attachment styles you are. Take some time to look that up. And I also think that we need to make sure we have some business that we have about our lives. Like we're not, we're setting those boundaries um, and we're not so, um, so willing to throw away what we have going on to appease another person. And we're not making people so important in our lives to where we knock ourselves off the center and we make them the center. Um, But yes. I think that's all I have to say on that. Um, I really hope that something I said in the podcast sparked your curiosity and that it will help you to think further on the thoughts that you have already been entertaining in your mind's eye. Um, I definitely believe that we can do anything we set our mind to. You can do anything you set your mind to. I can do anything I set my mind to. All it takes is for us to get aware, to get clear, and to continue forward like nobody's business. But yes, without further ado, I will go ahead and end the podcast here. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week.